So, welcome again to the shared, the shared screen. <laughs> uh, I just have these very <laughs> flat images of you all, <laughs> but I can just you know, just get a feeling. Imagine there's real people out there, uh, <laughs> real living, warm human beings out there. Uh, interested in this uh, teaching and practice and uh, making an effort to join in and perhaps rearrange your days around this and this itself is a wonderful um, gesture of uh, appreciation that you could you know put aside the time to to touch into this, uh, this this theme in this situation and you know why You know why. Mm. Mm. And you may have various ideas of why you want to do this thing. Interested in the study, interested in practice, interested in me, interested in taking a break from your life, whatever. But you could say there's the arising of interest. This is chanda, desire, motivation. Desire sometimes gets a bad press because we're very familiar with desire as tanha. Uh, tanha means thirst, like a certain craving to pull things in. Chanda is the motivation to do something. <laughs> yeah. so tanha pulls in, chanda brings out. And clearly they get mixed up, you know. We want to pull out, we want to get something back. There's a bit of mix, but the sense is that the more you cultivate, gradually the tanha element is seen as a fallacy and an obstruction to actually getting results. The craving energy doesn't give you the, the results. You know, it's, it's a natural thing we do. We want to get what we want to get, but you realize this gesture of wanting to get what I want to get, that gesture and that energy obstructs the process, yeah, which is not complete yet. We haven't finished. So we get, I want to get, I want to get to jhanas, I want to get sambhali, I want to get enlightenment. Understandable. But that isn't going to do it for you because the idea seems sensible, but feel the energy and feel what it does to you. Yeah, that kind of straining forward say is another way you could apply energy so it's a topic isn't it because many people say oh it's making an effort such a strain trying to get to samadhi such a strain well you're going to go out the wrong way that's why it's a strain and I don't blame you you know because that's often the energy we employ get what you want to get and it's going to be hard work struggle push through to get the good results pass the examination, get promotion, get the job done, the business model. But this isn't the business model. Mm. This is present. It's not the time-bound model where, you know, we're moving forward in time. Although, yeah, that's got a validity to it. Something's changing. Certainly our bodies are changing. Light is changing. Seasons are changing. Hmm? 
But actually what we're in is a cycle, right? An energy that cycles around. You wake up, you freshen up, you have something to eat, do some exercise, sit quietly, <laughs> so on, so on, and so on. Energy needs refreshing, go to sleep. You know, cycle, that's, that's the day, isn't it? Whatever name it's called, it's Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Christmas, whatever it is, that's the cycle that you're in, right? And wherever you are, the cycle that you're in is breathing in and breathing out. Pausing, breathing in and breathing out. Pausing. <laughs> it doesn't go forward, it goes round. And the movement forward is called bhava. And the craving links onto that to get this experience called bhava tanha, bhava tanha, the craving to become. In the future, I will become. And, and that's such a standard model for our social lives, such an indoctrination that we adopt from the age of three, maybe five, that that's, that's, we don't even question it. Surely, if I want to get good results, I've got to, you know, go and get it. I understand the logic, but it doesn't quite work like that. Because what we're doing is actually going through this cycle of breathing in, breathing out, of days passing by, and noticing where, where's the jagged elements in where's the breaks in that cycle where does it get rushed where does it get broken where is it blemished where are the hindrances so that that cycle moves smoothly easily steadily we call this samadhi oh mind becomes easeful, the heart becomes easeful, comfortable, it releases its fever, its frenzy, its disappointment, it releases its craving. This release from craving, the Buddha says, this is awakening. Now, when we're in this process of experience whereby there are dissonances, discord, energy sagging, energy bristling, worries and doubts, it's get blurred. So we don't even realize we're in a cycle. We're just, we're on some treadmill going forward into the future, running, trying to get to the good bit at the end. Yeah, the retirement policy. <laughs> Nibbana, the retirement policy. Because so, this is the kind of model we have somewhere established. Yeah. And this is timeless. This Dhamma is timeless. Akaliko, not about time. Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. 
it's eight o'clock, it's ten o'clock, it's midnight. No, no. Yeah, that's, that's the change that the process goes through, but it's just turning round and round and round and round. It's not going forward in time. And your intimate environment, your intimate environment, right? Your world, where you, where your awareness, where your sensitivity is located, I'm not talking about geography, where your sensitivity, where your awareness is located, that's your world. Hmm? That's, that's not about time. It's about something else. It doesn't know about Wednesday or New Year or last year. What it knows is karma. It knows its habits. It knows here we go again. Here we go again, worrying again, getting angry again, it's me again. <laughs> it knows that. Huh? Here's the same old wandering mind again. Yeah. So we recognize there's something very familiar about this world, this intimate world. It's so familiar, it's me. I call it myself. Now this is the world, your intimate world. And the Buddha is saying, notably, you don't get to the end of this world through travelling. But in this very body, in this very body, with its consciousness and perceptions and awareness, is the arising of the world, the passing of the world, and the liberation from the world in this very body. I mean, that's direct, isn't it? You think in body, shoulder, knee? No, no, no. Not shoulder, knee, body. I'm talking about this embodied energy this nerve body, to put it perhaps too simplistically, the whole reflexive system that you think is in your head or your mind is actually embodied. And you think you have crazy thoughts in your head and strange moods coming up in your heart, but actually all that is coming from the discord and the numbness and the confusion in your embodied system. And that will continue to be the case until you enter that and deal with it. So yes, you could say there is a time factor here How long will it take you to enter your world and wake up to it? Because until you do, you just keep going through that cycle again and again and again and again and again. And you'll try and you'll think and you'll wonder and you'll try a system to get you out of it. And you'll have an idea and you'll read something to get you out of it. 
and you'll figure out how you can do it and you'll wonder why you can't do it and you'll think about the problems you've got and you think about the kind of person you are and you think about the kind of life you're living and you think, it's not going to work, is it? So you think about some way you could deal with what you're doing so you could get out of it and you could think about maybe the obstacles you have and you can think, maybe it's because my past life I was a bad person. Or you can think about, well, I'm only a laywoman, so you can't possibly do it. And you could think, and you could think, and you could think, and you'll go round and round and round, <laughs> because you're thinking about it. And you would believe in it. When you come into the intimate environment, It's now, there's no complicated person there. There's no monks, laywomen, old people, young people there. It's just feeling, sensing, agitation. And somewhere there's breathing in and breathing out, being experienced in this very body. It's just a reminder. And we enter into this and we just start to really, you know, the first proper important factor is called faith. Be prepared to open. You can say people to hope, but hope isn't quite the right word, but sense of just trust. What can you trust? Trust the media? No. Trust your thoughts? I wouldn't do that. What about trusting life as it happens in you? What about trusting your own breath? Trusting your own breathing? It may not be what you want it to be. You may think it could be better. But it's keeping you alive. That's a pretty good, decent thing to do, isn't it? So since it's keeping me alive... And it happens, and it's free. (laughs) Maybe I could just trust it, open to it, the sign of faith. This is the Buddha said of all, everything begins with that. Because you get a snap out of your thinking and your belief and your complicated notions about yourself. Just stop doing that. Take a breath, faith. And it's notable, you know, in the suttas you get a rather different uh, scenario of how this transmission occurs. And the first element that's often mentioned to it, you meet what's called the sapurisa. You meet an authentic person. You meet what's called a true being. And maybe this is a deeply enlightened being or a somewhat enlightened being or just a grounded, sensible, warm-hearted human being (laughs) who's not going into all the rubbish in their heads, who's not just believing in theories and ideas. It's a really sa, completed, full being. And he said, this is the first thing you meet. 
Hey. And something you sense is that. They're not panicking. They're not getting angry. They're not in a hurry. They're steady. Uh, don't think too much about the person, but just the fact that you can know that, that you can sense that. And it's not coming through thinking. You get the feeling for it. Uh, you know, certainly, particularly, say, in a Buddhist culture, people will go to some of these forest monasteries just to be there and just be in the presence of a, of a wise being and just enjoy the atmosphere, the energies, you know, and feel refreshed. So we get something. Our body and our hearts are not stupid. And we pick something up intuitively and feel comforted and steadied by that. Chances are, the Buddha says, if you hang out with an authentic, true being, likelihood is you'll probably hear a few wise, useful things. And you'll hear them being spoken. You'll hear them with the voice tone, with a quality of steadiness or gentleness or the humour. And you'll, feel, you'll see the body language. You'll get the whole thing in living embodied reality. So that's how you pick it up. And to think in terms of communication, what the words say in any dialogue represent only a fraction of what the transmission is about. Sometimes the transmission is just about somebody listening and going, mm-hmm. Mm. Ah, mm, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> what wasn't said was important too. Where the reaction wasn't, where the judgment didn't happen, that was the transmission too. You got that. Now, when you look at a book, you don't get that, do you? White paper, black words, and nicely arranged. So so this is the way, you know, (laughs) that the Tridhamma really gets experienced, transmitted through the person listening to the wise person, being with. And the saying of faith arises. You feel a sense of something lights up. Yeah, maybe I could. Yeah, that's just, he's just the real person. I, I know that, I know that. Something you know is what it's like half knows what it's like and you just going to sit up yeah it's natural it's natural it's natural and this is really important part of our journey because chronically most of us have left nature behind we can see you don't have to look much into environmental news to realize how much we have discarded nature and we live in machine constructions of some kind, 
according to social rhythms rather than natural rhythms, according to work rhythms rather than organic body rhythms. We've discarded nature as being ineffective and inefficient for our becoming drives. Our craving can't be fulfilled by nature, so we create systems that will help us to crave more (laughs) and become faster and break down and discard nature. So this is just chronic and it's very powerful. So it's trying to record, to return to nature And the last piece of nature that we can trust, and we have, still have, is this embodied breathing. We wiped out so much of the rest of nature, we still have this. Well, let's return to this and trust it. And begin to discard the qualities that ignore it, like our thinking mind our ideas of becoming this and becoming that, and even our ideas about ourself. I am this, I am that. Now the process, the chitta, the heart, doesn't move in terms of time. In your awareness, could you say you're 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, 25 years old. Awareness is just aware. Doesn't operate in terms of time. So this is why when you're sitting and meditating, you can be behaving like a five-year-old in your head. You can still have the tantrums and the fantasies of a teenager. You can still be rehearsing or remembering things or experiences that were done to you 25 years ago. They haven't gone away just through the date changing on the calendar. It doesn't work like that. And you can't make it go away through operating in terms of becoming something else in the future. You have to enter into this embodied world with what's called the karma, the sankharas, the inheritance that's there that has not been resolved. Mm. Some of these come up as memories, some of these come up as characteristics, like I vacillate, I procrastinate, I'm not very decisive, I'm insecure. And we can have all kinds of words we apply to that. You know, I have a lot of passion, I'm a restless person, I'm a craving kind of person. And you know, if you're saying these words, you're saying too many words. It's true in its own way, but it's not a useful presentation. What we all know is that the system is not smoothly running peacefully in its in its circle and there are obstructive forces that jam and confuse and muddy and tangle so you go to what does it feel like oh, i feel like i've got a, no no it's too much 
I feel like I need to try harder. No, no, that's much too much. I feel that I should be. No, no, you've got it. You're still doing too many words when you feel like. Desperate. That's it. You got it. Because <laughs> when you get it, your heart goes, oh, <laughs> you told the truth. <laughs> or sad. Just really sad. Hopeless. You got it. Now, these are not necessarily the truths you want to hear, but you get it. You go, all right. And suddenly it lights up. Now you're telling the truth. <laughs> and that's the beginning of it. Now, rather than making, I am this and I was this because of that, and I, what I need to do is, and I'm this kind of person, that's your head talking, and you're creating an identity out of an issue. There's an issue here about insecurity. There's an issue here about damage. There's an issue here about deprivation. You feel depleted and worn out and exhausted. There is definitely an issue here. But you calling yourself a, a useless person is not going to cure it. And you trying to prove you're better than you are is not going to do it. You need to manage the fact that you feel depleted and understandably so. Yeah. And so, so there is a sense of lack of energy, just tired and not just physically tired, but emotionally tired of trying to make everything work. I'm fed up with trying to please everybody else and make it all work. Fed up, depleted. Okay, let's go down to that. Ah, what's needed? Just need some kindness, actually. Mm. Compassion, always needed. I just need to sit quietly with a warm heart, trying to just, you know, breathe in and breathe out with an attitude of goodwill. Sounds good. Can't find fault with that. No problem with that. It's never wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. And so your notions about meditation, psychology, just break it right down to what's needed now and realize it's not a person. It's a phenomenon. A phenomenon. A dhamma. There is a dhamma of exhaustion. There is a dhamma of overwhelm. There's a dhamma of insecurity. I don't feel I'm good enough. I'm ungrounded. I'm searching for something to make me feel I'm okay. I'm searching for someone or something to say, you're fine, you're forgiven. You know, I'm searching for forgiveness from somebody else. For, why? Yeah. Because I've got these crazy ideas, I need forgiveness. No, That's much too long. Get down to it. What's needed? Some love is needed right now. And not just the idea, but actually entering into you know, the felt experience with receptivity, 
with, with no pressure, not even trying to change anything. We're just breathing in, breathing out, feeling into these difficult areas. You know, faith, energy. These are the leaders. Faith, energy. Now, energy, you can think this means make a lot of effort. No, it's not actually... Put your energy where it needs to be. So rather than put your energy into chasing ideas and notional goals of what you should be, put your energy into healing your damage. Put your energy into entering into your world with patience, resolution, goodwill, mindfulness, holding it steadily. That's that's a good use of energy. That's appropriate energy. That's realistic. And mindfulness, so faith, energy, mindfulness, if you look in these lists, this is the Indriyas, the leaders of awakening. Mindfulness, stay there. Stay there. Linger, linger, stay there. Don't search for the next thing. Mindfulness cuts through time. Cuts through bhava tanna. Yeah. So if we're mindful, we're not saying, I am mindful, therefore I will get to. I've been mindful of this, now I should arrive at somewhere else. I'm being mindful, therefore this problem should not exist. You say, no, you're mindful. Which means you're just present here, letting the breath, letting the process roll through with dispassion, breathing in, breathing out. And then the body and the heart will do their work. So with mindfulness, we're also cutting through the time sense and also transferring to not from to to the process of practice what i mean is instead of me being mindful focusing on this particular point so that i will arrive at this particular point and then I will realize something. We drop the me. We drop the me. If you look in, uh, you know, Satipatthana, knowing, this is the citta of hatred, knowing the citta of passion, knowing the citta of love. It's just the knowing. One directly knows. So there's a sense in which with sati, with mindfulness, we just contemplate phenomena as phenomena, not as self. And it's not even directed by a self view. It's directed through wisdom, which is sustaining how we practice now not searching for any kind of result, sustaining how we practice now. 
So how do you build that up? They said, well, follow a moving object. Because we're entering the process of change. So you see these characteristics. There is dukkha, stress, suffering. You want to get there. There's not self. Don't take it personally. (laughs) Also, don't put a person in charge of the process. Instead, put wisdom in. You'll notice things are changing. There is changeability and nichang. So we say, okay, now can you stay with a changing process? That's what mindfulness is. So, okay, let's work on or use the breathing because that's a changing process, isn't it? I mean, it's not wild, but it's changing from breathing in, rising, swelling, subsiding, emptying, opening, pausing, subsiding, picking up. It goes through these changes and we're following the stream of change as is experienced directly in our bodies. That's what they do. The breath is not an object. It's not a... It's a process. Now, you may have difficulties. You may what's breath energy? Well, don't worry about it. Okay, you just follow the sensations, if you like. It's easy. Notice the swelling in your belly, your diaphragm, your chest, up into the collar. Relaxing your shoulders. Really get into, you know, giving yourself to the breathing. And relaxing into it. Just being with the process of change. That means a certain sustained resolution to do so yeah and to stay with something that's changing means your mental process is going to be slightly different than if you're focusing on a point focusing on a point it's a sort of slightly different energy to focus on a point than to accommodate a change, flowing process. You've got to loosen a little bit. You've got to loosen up a little bit. So it's a lighter, more open, and yet definitely it's focused. Because this is where intelligence happens. Now, when I'm talking to you, I hope, I imagine, you're open, you're listening, and you hear this flow of words. You don't focus on one word. You pick up the tone, the voice tone, the pauses, the words, the meanings, the sounds. You get the whole thing as a flow. That's where the meaning is, in the whole thing. And for that, you do it quite naturally. You open and listen. The whole thing. You do that with breathing. It's like you're opening and listening, except it's not a sound. When you, when you practice like that, you'll begin to recognize, oh yeah, there's an energy here. Because now my mind has adjusted to the point where it could actually receive that energy. I didn't notice it before because I was looking too hard. I was pointing and aiming in, thinking if I did that, I'd really get it. 
because that's the focus that I've been encouraged to develop. That peering in and holding it tight. Actually, this is stepping back and listening. And you feel, yeah, there's a certain brightening effect. As breathing happens, there's a certain brightening effect. I can feel it in my skin. I can feel it internally. Things seem to light up. Breathing out, there's a cooling, subsiding effect. That's it. And there's a pause when it empties and opens. That's it. Notice the change of energy. And tuning in. So mindfulness. If that is sustained, you begin to read the energy and you notice the shake or the push or the squeeze that occurs. That's where the problem is in that sudden shaking or dropping of the energy, a blockage of some kind. Now this is, of course, very subjective. Your world is your world. I don't know where your blockages are, but I'm pretty sure there's some there. Some place where your mind just drifts off. Some place where it seems very tight. Some place where it feels really too fast. I don't know what those are, but I do know they they occur. And from those, the mind spins out and it starts creating emotions, thoughts and memories. So we're going to kind of go back to that and whole body, follow the instruction, sensitive to the entire body. Why bother? Because it's in the entirety that the problems begin to release. Now you take the example, say you have a Say you have a a bed sheet, okay, you have a bed sheet that you put on a bed, right? And it's all screwed, twisted up. It's got some, you know, it's kind of got tangled up. So what do you do? Do you go in with a pair of scissors and cut the tangled bits out? Do you inspect the tangles and try to work out where they came from? No, you probably go to the edge of the sheet and you pull the whole sheet open and oh, all those tangles have disappeared. But when I looked at the sheet, I saw these dark lines and these twisted shapes. I didn't like them at all. Dark lines and twisted shapes. And when I looked at those dark lines, they felt like this looks like an evil thought, or an evil thought sitting in there, or as an unpleasant emotion. I've got to try and work out and figure that out and, and put something into that tangle to make it better. And say, no, 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 just pull the sheet straight and those tangles drop out because they're just tangles. They're not realities. <laughs> but the wrong view sees those, experiences those tangles in your breathing, in your body, and it says, oh, that's, that's your, you know, it creates an idea about it, creates a self out of it. 
So you're pulling the sheet wide, holding it wide. Because unlike a bed sheet, unfortunately, the embodied process is, is energetic. It's got a pattern in it. There's a pattern there that causes it to tangle. So it kind of it pulls back. There's a dynamic there. It pulls back to keep practicing that. Now the practice of steadying the sheet we call samatha. Pasambayam kaya sankaram, steadying, smoothing the entire body sheet. Insight, looking into, why does he keep crinkling up like that? What's that based upon? So we begin to see these underlying energy patterns. And these are called various names, but residues, acquisitions, um, upadi is a word that's sometimes used, acquisitions. And so this, this kind of pulls these things into place. So then we'll, But they're all based upon confusion, a wrong view. And the wrong view they're based upon is always something seeking gratification, seeking security, seeking to be more solid, seeking to, to have something, seeking to be a person. Something that is actually featureless becomes extremely personal. And so we need to, with insight, you begin to explore. The person they create isn't very good, actually. <laughs> and, and it's never that much good. Yeah. Now, it's not something wrong with the person. It's just the person is created by these energies, but these energies are confused. So it always creates a confused person because the person arises out of a certain contortion called identification and this person says this is my body yeah. it's my body and I just live in this thing you say how can it be your body did you create it no could you make it bigger no could you say change its shape or color nope um, could you stop it aging? Nope. Could you make it not have any pain in it? Nope. Could you sprout another arm? Nope. <laughs> so how come it's yours? You can't seem to do anything about it. You didn't create it and you can't stop it dying. What, what, how can it possibly be yours? That's called confusion. I want it to be mine because it gives me something to hold on to. So we're looking at very fundamental, irrational constrictions of grasping. So relinquish. It doesn't mean destroy, it just means let it be part of nature. Let it be part of the breathing process. Let it be the manifestation of life. You'll enjoy it much better than if you claim it as a self, as an entity. You'll just be more happy. If you create it as a self, you always be thinking, well, it looks a bit it looks a bit fat to me. I don't like the colour of the eyes. Oh, the chin's going saggy. Oh, it's not strong enough. It's too small. <laughs> it's too big. <laughs> it's too weak. 
that's what happens. Because craving, you say, it's just part of nature, like a tree, you know. Every tree is beautiful. Every tree is beautiful. Every tree is fine. You know, you begin to kind of insight. It's the work against these, these, these assumptions. This is my mind. This is my mind. Oh, yeah? Can you control your mind? Nope. <laughs> you try hard, but can you control your own mind? Nope. Mm. Could you make your mind say, okay, now I will experience joy? Nope. Can you make your mind say, now I will stop uh, feeling worried? Nope. Mm. Where are all those words that are flying around your mind? Where did they come from? Did you create the language? Nope. You picked it up. You picked up the language. You picked up the images. None of it's yours. It's just the mind. This absorptive process that's taking in phenomena and processing phenomena and, and engaging and creating things. And highly indoctrinated by media and by schools and by jobs and by the whole thing. Highly indoctrinated mind. So we see that and step out. I don't have to get rid of it, but I'm dispassionate towards that. I know within that there's also awareness. It's not mine, it's not a self, but there is an aware intelligence and it gets much happier and much steadier when I don't bother with the thinking and the worrying and just focus on breathing in, breathing out, cultivating goodwill, patience, letting go of the future, letting go of the past, letting go of identity, it gets to feel much happier and more comfortable. Right? Samadhi. Remember, the, you know, the aim of the Buddha's practice is just to stop suffering. It's not to solve problems of my identity or whether I exist or don't exist or what I, where I came from. It's just to stop the suffering. So rather than, well, if I do all this, eventually I'll get to the end of suffering, you want to start doing it right now by recognizing where the suffering is and what causes it. The craving, the ignorance, the views, the wrong views, the self-system, the obsession with thinking, the, the, and also the non-acceptance of things being chaotic, and a non-faith in just trust your breathing body you know, and bring good attention into it and it will do the work for you. This is how we practice. And you practice in a way whereby 
you know, your application is already giving you joy because you know you're dealing with something authentic, you're competent, you're capable, you have the resources, it's right, it's built into you. Those resources are built in to you, to your system. They are built in. You just have to know and come to terms with how to handle them, how to manage them, how to be with them, and they will work for you. And this know-how, this is wisdom. Wisdom is not a complicated set of theories. Wisdom is just knowing the know-how to know how to meet your authenticity and how to meet the difficulties that arise. And you learn it as you go along. Like you learn to swim by getting in the water and maybe fumbling around for a while until eventually you start to get your body into gear with that. This is how insight and, and calm work together. Your insight is constantly challenging these underlying views of self, of getting to a permanent condition called Nibbana or realization. Yeah. Challenging these views. Releasing time. Releasing identity. This is the work of, of insight wisdom. To see all of these you know, things, time, identity, they're just purely artificial concepts that have a, an effect upon you. And you, can, you don't have to, you can free yourself from that. You can put that aside. Because reality, your intimate world, is not an identity and it's not in time. It's in karma. It's got inheritance. Things have been accumulated, but also karma means that there's the possibility for action now that will take you out of that problem. But it takes time to keep working through the cycles. Disengagement and dispassion are essential. So I'll leave you to return to your own intimate practice, your own intimate experience, and uh, offer my encouragement and good wishes. <laughs>